welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story and knowledge on how to get into the industry. And today I'm really excited to, to have my guest on, Alex. We kind of were interacting over the weekend on social media. I saw what he is tweeting and sharing and I thought it was really awesome because Alex has been, well, he's been kind of playing around technology over his lifetime. You know, he's just really kind of new to try to get into the pen testing side of things. And he's sharing a lot of good information. So it's really good to see someone sharing. You know, one of the things we love in the cybersecurity community is sharing and giving back. And, you know, Alex has been doing this before he got his first job. And he was sharing a lot of good information. So I just really thought he'd be a good guest. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me, Phil. I really appreciate it. Hey, my name is Alex. I just recently got hired as a web application pen tester, and I've been in the field for, uh, I'd say, several years now in terms of just uh, IT, and this is actually my first penetration testing job. So I'm definitely really excited to explain to everyone, you know, what steps did I take, what hardships did I face, and, you know, how I got my foot in the door. That's good. And one of the things about the show is, you know, the stories are very valuable along with the knowledge shared. So uh, mm. why don't we kind of start with, you know, your life and where things started and, and so that way people get an idea of where you come from and, and that, you know, what it took for you to get there. So. Okay. So I was born and raised in Landover, Maryland, 1998. I'm currently 23 years old. Um, you know, growing up in that area, it was really rough. Uh, it was definitely on the poverty line for sure. Um, I definitely wasn't a person that liked going to school that much. Uh, I felt I was a little bit too good for school. I'm not going to lie. So I didn't really put my you know best foot forward. Um, I didn't grow up in the best environment, both inside the home and outside the home. Wasn't really a safe place to be. Uh, my family wasn't entirely really supportive. I was pretty much kind of just on my own most of my life. Uh, but they were very well off for themselves. Like everyone went to college and stuff. Like we had like lawyers and police officers and such. And um, it was really hard just living in in that area. And I've lived in Washington, D.C. and I've lived in Virginia as well. And it wasn't really my cup of tea just uh, being there. Uh, I was a pretty lonely kid. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I'm, I'm quite introverted and I have social anxiety. It's a little difficult for me to talk to people, but I'm learning to get out of my shell. Um, just being there just wasn't good for my mental health and it was a real struggle growing up especially just not having the emotional 
uh, support from my family. I had, I did have one person that was, you know, really there for me. And that was my stepdad. And to this point, I consider him my real dad because he raised me. He met my mom when I was uh, three months old. And my father uh, walked out of my mother and I pretty much the second I was born. And I didn't, you know, hear from him ever again. And um, he was a huge inspiration for me. He made sure that I was on the right track. He always told me, you know, do my best to finish school. Always told me to, you know, again, sorry about the cat. He's, he wants to be a part of the stream. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. Um, <laughs> he definitely inspired me to be a better person for myself and those around me. He kept telling me to push myself and challenge myself to, uh, you know, get into my career and such. And he was also a big part of, you know, how I got into computers and everything and such. He was a lover of video games and anime, and he got me into video games and anime. I picked up a controller when I was like three years old. I think my first game was like Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis. And it just kind of went on from there. I played the PlayStation, PlayStation 2. And that's where my interest with technology began. Um, so, he, you know, bought me a lot of video games as a kid and such. But, you know, in the household, I dealt with a lot of mental and physical abuse from my grandmother and my mother. They would tell me things. And I was like a kid. I'm like 10 years old, seven years old. And telling me things like, oh, you should have never been a part of this family. You wish you were never born. You're never going to make it. Uh, you are, you know not worth anything, you know, things like that. And I would try my best in school, but whenever I brought home my grades, it wasn't enough to please them. So they just kept telling me, it was like, yeah, you're not enough. You don't even deserve to have our last name, you know, things like that. My mom told me I should have been aborted, you know, things like that. And I was just, it's, it's crazy. Like, how do you tell things like this to a child? You know, um, I felt really discouraged. I felt very, very discouraged. I was pretty much the black sheep of the family. Um, and we didn't really communicate at all. Like all my family members just kind of just went off to do their own things. We didn't really support or help each other at all. And like when we did need help, no one was really there to like extend an arm. And in my case and everyone else's case as well. So um, I was homeless a couple of times, several times actually, uh, between the, I'd say elementary and middle school, I was homeless about three times. You know, I was uh, sleeping on, you know, strangers' couches. I was sleeping in the back of my mother's car. Um, you know, we're trying to find food and things like that. She was trying to find a job and she was going back and forth from jobs. It was just constant, just up and down with stability. And it was just really hard. And trying to balance all the stuff that was going on at home with school, it was pretty much impossible. I couldn't focus. I couldn't put my best foot forward because of all the things I was dealing with at home. So, um, you know, as I got older, uh, I, I was just trying to do my best in school. And I just kind of gave up at some point because it's just like, there's no point. I didn't like school. Um, I got picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot for being different. Um, other kids would, you know, make fun of me for the way that I speak or the way that I dressed or, you know, my skin wasn't dark enough or, you know, things like that. I, w I was always told that, you know, I wasn't black because of the interest that I have, you know, because I was, you know, too light. You know, I spoke, you know, um, I spoke white apparently <laughs> in their terms because I didn't have like an accent from the area. And it's funny because people would actually ask me where I'm from. And I'm like, I'm born and raised here. It's just, I speak differently from the rest of everyone else and everything and such. I didn't really fit in with the culture in that area. I didn't really feel accepted or, or even wanted there. So um, it was definitely rough growing up it was really really hard but 
again, going back to my passion for computers, I started off with video games. Uh, video games was pretty much my escape from reality at the time. And I always stayed in my room because, like I said, I didn't even feel safe in my own home. Like, I felt safe in my room with, you know, with my video games and everything and such. And I would just play games just to get my mind off of things. It would, you know, put me into a different world where I didn't have to worry about all the chaos that was going on around me. Um, and, out, and going outside was not a choice for me because it was dangerous. It was not a safe environment for me to be in. Like, I'm hearing gunshots in my backyard almost every day. Um, there's people, you know, getting shot outside. There's people, like, bleeding out on the sidewalk. It just wasn't a good place to be at all. And I just stayed in my room playing my video games. And uh, like I said, school wasn't really for me at all. In high school, I had a 1.2 GPA. <laughs> And during high school, I'd actually skip classes. I would go to the um, school library and I would actually study IT and cybersecurity on the computer and I would take notes on my phone. And um, from, I'd say, middle school, that's when I really got into uh, computers because we had a tech class. And I've always was interested of how things worked. Like my um, dad would buy me gifts for Christmas and such. And instead of me playing with the toys, I'd break the toys and take them apart and see how they work. And I'd try to put them back together and he'd be pissed off with it because he's just like, I spent all this money on it, but I'd eventually ended up putting them back together. So once I got my hands on the computer, um, that's where it started you know, for me. And um, I started using the internet, I'd say sometime around in 2009. I, you know, The first website that I went on was YouTube. And, you know, I was watching like funny videos and stuff and just, you know, just doing kid things, just trying to, you know, make the best of my childhood. And it just kind of started from there. Um, I started getting into IT. I'd say I was around, I'd say 10 years old. And there was one of my teachers in my tech class. They were trying to show me how to build a computer. And that's where I learned. That was the first time I had ever built a computer. They pulled an old like Dell computer from the back. It was from like 2005 or something. He took it apart and showed me how to actually build the thing. And I became absolutely hooked. I was fascinated. And um, it just, like I said, went on from there. In terms of getting into cybersecurity, I told you before, uh, I came across Mr. Robot. And that's what, you know, inspired me to pursue pen testing and ethical hacking. And it was a huge motivation for me as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much my life story. Um, I was homeless in 2017, again, because there was a stuff going on with my family. And I was on the streets of D.C. for a little bit. And um, I wasn't, like, asking for money or anything like that at all whatsoever. I actually made a sign. I was holding it up in the street. And I, was, and I said, I'm homeless. I'm looking for a job. I'm willing to put forth the effort and the hard work. Can you help me out? And I actually got a lot of responses from that before I actually got a job. Like a friend had helped me out and I had stayed um, at his house for like probably like a month or so. And um, then I told my stepdad what was going on. He let me in there for a little bit and he had got me a job working at a furniture warehouse. And at the time I didn't have my GED or anything like that. I had no credentials. I didn't have my driver's license or anything like that. I was almost 19 years old. And um, he had got me a job, uh, you know, at his, at his workspace. And we were just basically unloading trailers all day, every day, this heavy furniture, these like wide truck trailers that are just full of furniture. And I had to unload that every single day. And I, I was getting paid like $9 an hour. 
I was overworked and underpaid. And my dad was just like, if you don't get your stuff together, like if you don't get your diploma and everything and stuff, then this is what you have to look forward to the rest of your life. You're going to be overworked and underpaid. And as you can already see, this isn't fun. So I was there for a while and I struggled a lot with my mental health. I was trying to muster up the courage and the confidence to actually, you know, start studying for my GED and like, um, you know, getting certifications and everything and such. And, you know, while I was working, I was still passionate about video games and everything. I was still passionate about um, computers and such. And I had saved up some money and I had built my first gaming computer. And um, I started studying for the A plus and a couple other things. And I used to watch a YouTuber like Linus Tech Tips. I started watching um, like the Cyber Mentor and such. And I started doing my own research because I was like, hey, maybe I can make money from like, um, you know, build, building computers and everything and stuff. And um, I had started like a little freelance gig. I was going around town, just building and fixing computers for people. I used my dad's truck and wasn't supposed to be driving at the time, but you know, I was. <laughs> um, I just needed to find a way to make some money. And like all of the issues that people were having, uh, I would just look it up on YouTube and i would just uh try to figure it out from there and like i had and it was really successful that uh, people were always calling me and such as to like replace parts in our laptops or you know their computers i'm switching out ram modules hard drives things like that and um i think at some point you know after i was uh i think it was like my third year until working at that little furniture warehouse i had came across an old friend that was in high school and he told me that he was working in it i was like so how did you start and he was like oh i was out he was like oh i was a part of this it program called the hope project in washington dc and he was like if you want i can get you in contact with the ceo and like we can get you part of the program i was like oh okay that sounds great so he gave me his number and i hit him up and i was like hey i'd like to be a part of your program but i already have a ton of experience in terms of just building computers and they were just um, like help desk stuff. They were teaching help desk stuff and they were helping people get A plus certified. They would actually pay people to come to class and they would pay for their exam vouchers and everything and stuff. And um, I had spoken with the C CEO and I said, I will literally teach your students everything I know, like without a problem. I just offered and he was like, yeah, I want you in here. I definitely want you in here. He was like, if you can teach the students, that'd be great. And um and I was there for about probably, I'd say, nine months. And I was co-teaching. I was, um, you know, giving out PDF books to the students for, you know, the A-plus and everything and stuff. I was sending them YouTube videos and links, you know, how to troubleshoot a computer, um, you know, talking about, like, networking, Active Directory, um, you know, troubleshooting, you know, hardware issues or software issues and such. And um, eventually everyone ended up, you know, passing and getting the A plus every single last person in the class. And I was staying after class you know, while I was there studying and I would be with like five other students. Class was from like 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. So like a typical, you know, work shift. But I would stay there until probably like 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Just studying with everyone else and teaching them everything that I know. And by that time, I was already interested in cybersecurity. That's something I'd always wanted to do. Um, the academy had a lot of contracts with um, the, you know, D.C. government. So a lot of the students that was graduating from the academy, they were getting um, sponsorships from these companies that they had contracts with. And they were like getting the security plus like two weeks after they got the A plus and they would go work at the Pentagon. 
And that, that was absolutely inspiring for me, but I didn't want to work for the government because of my own personal values. And I did get an offer to work at the Pentagon and, you know, just, and I, and my, um, C, my, not, not CEO, my uh, mentor was saying, you would, you know, pay for the security plus and everything and stuff. But at the time I was just, nah, I don't want to do it. And I should have taken the opportunity, honestly. Um, but I decided to go on my own terms go on my own path. Um, I got the security plus back in 2021. I failed it the first time, but I got it the second time. Um, once COVID hit, uh, it was really hard to find a job. I think I was working as a AV technician before COVID hit. I was working with a friend of mine and we were just like setting up TVs on walls and corporate environments and everything and stuff. And um, I actually met a couple of network technicians and engineers in one of the buildings that I was work that I was working at, and I was letting them know, like, hey, like I do IT and everything and stuff like that. And this was this was actually funny. So there was a network issue because the TVs actually had IP addresses, and there was uh, two TVs on the network that had um, the same IP address, and they had no idea how to figure it out. I'm just like, you guys are engineers and technicians. Like it's, it's, it should be something simple, right? So I was like, can I, you know, give it a shot and try to fix it? Even though I didn't even work there. And um, one of the technicians was like, sure, go ahead. Um, all I did was go in the terminal and I just did a simple DNS flush. <laughs> and the, and uh, the, the, um, the issue was, resol was resolved. And um, some of the engineers and the technicians there were just like, you know, how did you solve the issue? I was like, oh, I just did a DNS flush. They was like, how'd you figure that out? I was like, YouTube. <laughs> I just went on YouTube and figured it out myself. I've used YouTube to learn pretty much everything that I know today. Honestly, like I said, I've been using YouTube since I was a kid, and um, it's definitely been a useful resource resource for me because I'm a visual learner. I learn by watching other people do things, and I just copy what they do. And any information and knowledge that you know I get from anyone else that shares it, I just spread it to everyone else. So. Um, you know, that's pretty much my life story. And, uh, oh, I'm not done with that just yet. <laughs> again, sorry. Again, sorry, okay. like I said, again, sorry. Like I said, I have like really bad social anxiety. Like again, apologies if I stumble upon my words, but, um, last year I just got tired of living in the DMV area. I got tired of just being in the same environment around the same people. Uh, DC is not a fun or safe place to live. It's really expensive. Um, when I did have an apartment there with my mom, we had like a one bed, one bath apartment about the size of a school bus. And they were charging us almost two grand a month. Absolutely insane. So I was like, yeah, I'm not wow. doing this. And um, I had just decided to be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just tired of living here. Uh, people in D.C. aren't really that nice. It's a city place. And the whole entire west side of D.C. is like gentrified. It's just you know, um, modern stuff and everything. It looks nice and pretty and all of that. It's super expensive, but the entire east side of DC, which they don't show on television, um, is just poverty, straight up. Entire east side. That's where all the um, you know gang violence is, drug and sex trafficking, all of that stuff. The mortality rate and the crime rate in DC is really high. It's not safe to be out there at night at all whatsoever. I uh, don't like anything about DC at all, other than the fact that there's a lot of good job opportunities there that should definitely be taken advantage of if you live in that area for sure, because DC jobs pay good money because, you know, living there is really expensive. So last year I was just like, you know what, I'm tired of this. And I sold most of my stuff. I did have a gaming desktop at the time that I sold and I replaced it with a laptop, which I'm glad I did because the laptop performs better than the desktop that I had. And I got, um, 
greatest a lot of stuff and i uh, decided to move out to houston texas because it's just much more affordable out here honestly and i want it to be miles and miles away from my family because i'm just like I don't, I don't even want anything to do with you guys anymore i just want to you know do my own thing and you know just be on my own so i came to houston texas with literally just two bags and a, and a friend of mine was actually willing to help me out he was like yeah you can stay here for a little bit save up your money and all that stuff and i was already working a little service desk job at the time and it was remote thankfully so um you know i just brought my laptop and my clothes with me and you know stayed with them for a little bit save up some money and eventually you know just started you know being on my own and this is where i am now uh, that's an amazing story and, and i'm just so so glad you're over we're able to overcome that because you know having a home environment like that you know living in that type of a place not everyone overcomes it so it's really great and good that you had a stepfather that was able to to help you out some, I'm sure that made a world of difference to have that influence to, to motivate you to, you know, to push on and, and getting that early experience, working a hard manual labor job to kind of learn that there's other things that you should do instead. I kind of learned the hard way myself too, is I've worked mm-hmm. a lot of manual labor jobs, retail sales, and those things don't pay good and you're not mm-hmm. respected. And so it's really glad yeah. that you overcame that. Yeah, it's definitely not fun at all. Weren't you a wrestler at some point? Yes. Yeah, that was part of my <laughs> not knowing what I wanted to do is how I got into <laughs> wrestling. When I graduated high school, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I really didn't work hard in school. I I, I wasn't going to drop out because my, my parents really told me you need to finish high school. So I wasn't going to drop out, but I didn't really try that hard. I mean, my grade point average was too low for the local university in my town. I could have went back and took the mm-hmm. ACT test again right or i could have got like i think i would have needed like eight or ten recommendation letters from Mm -hmm. some of my high school teachers and i just kind of decided yeah i'm not going to do that and friends recommended wrestling so that's kind of how i got into that did a lot of things that you know manual labor worked as a bouncer in nightclubs and all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff that just didn't work out and you know some of those small companies you work for it's like i worked in the jewelry store for a while and the owners wanted to make me a manager, but the uh, like an assistant manager of one of their new store chains. Mm-hmm. But the guy managing it liked this other person better and wanted to promote her. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of learned, you know, you've got to have some kind of skill that you can get by on your skills and not yeah. on favoritism or someone decides they want to do you a favor or help you out. You know, you don't have to rely on that. Yeah, exactly. If there's one thing I could take from my family, they did teach me one thing, right? And they said that um, you need to find a high in demand skill that's going to make you really good money. And you need to figure out what that is. And, you know, I decided to choose, you know, IT and cybersecurity. Not only is it something that I'm passionate about and that I enjoy, but everyone knows that it makes good money. You can be really successful in this field if you, you know, acquire the skills and you network with the right people and such. Um, I didn't get my GED until... 2020 and i was really upset with myself because um i was just i was just i was i was procrastinating i wasted like three years i was supposed to graduate high school in 2017 and i just didn't feel like i had the smarts to actually do it and my entire life my stepfather always told me that you know you're smart like you are smart as hell like you can do it. I believe in you. And I finally just decided to go do it. And I was upset because when I took the exams, I passed all four GED exams within six days. It took me six days to do it. And I had finally gotten my GED. And I was just like, 
I wasted three years just for six days. <laughs> and I was like, I underestimate myself. And I was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. So let's just keep this ball rolling. Um, like I said, at the IT Academy, I'd got my A plus and I um, got the security plus, you know, about a year ago. And um, I'm currently trying to study for the PNPT. I want to get that for sure. And not only just to, to support the cyber mentor, but I've heard that it's a really good certification, you know, to have. It's still, you know, getting its name out there and everything and such. I've seen it on a couple of uh, job applications, but it's definitely getting some recognition for sure. And apparently it's giving the OSCP a run for its money. Yeah, it's getting super- it's getting some good traction. And then and mm-hmm. since the fact that it's more real world is, is pretty popular. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I was impressed. I forget how many months back I noticed that the company Tenable that makes the Nessus vulnerability scanner mm-hmm. had it as one of the one of the possible certifications that they would consider, which is good. So only starting out like last year, it's it's doing pretty well. So I think that's a good one to good mm-hmm. one to focus on. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. Um, in terms of any other certifications, I definitely do want to get the OSCP, but I am intimidated by the exam since it has a 24-hour exam window. Yeah. So but I'm like, that's that's a little rough. It's a little rough to do all of that in 24 hours, you know. So yeah, it's interesting that I see the people that really do good on the OSCP because it took mm-hmm. me more more than more than one attempt to pass it. But mm-hmm. one of the things I've seen the people that really done really well at it are people that are good at CTFs do really well people do a lot of hack the box and that kind of stuff okay yeah yeah because uh, i've definitely utilized try hack me and hack the box and they're definitely a lot more ctfe uh i would love for there to be some kind of module in either try hack me or um uh hack the box to like show you how to actually write a report like yeah like actually you know show your findings and everything and stuff because that's what gets you the money like the hacking part is just the fun part of it mm-hmm. what gets you paid is that the actual report and you need to you know know how to write a really good report in order to be a penetration tester yeah and that's one of the things people don't think about when they try to get into it and mm-hmm. and i think some people i think might be detoured by wanting to to, to pen test because of the reports but you know because mm-hmm. Sometimes people think it's all fun and games and hacking and stuff, but you got to write the report. That's what the customer gets at the end of the day. Yeah, and they take a long time to write. I've seen reports be a couple hundred pages <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm definitely excited to start you know, my job as a web app pen tester. And they said they're going to be training me on the job pretty much. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of things I'm going to see on the job is like, not really going to be out there like in books and everything and such. I've been told by people in the field, like, yeah, the, the things you see like on the pen test plus and everything. Yeah. That like, that's just like basic beginner level stuff. Like things that on mm-hmm. the job are just completely different. You're going to be learning uh, completely different things. So, but um, in terms of just what resources that I've used and how I got my foot in the door in it and cybersecurity, this was my strategy. So I understood that, certifications held a lot of weight and people still had like the certification versus degree thing. Again, at the end of the day, IT and cybersecurity is a trade, just like plumbing or being an electrician or being a mechanic, et cetera. These skills that you can learn online nowadays, simply just by looking it up on YouTube or Google. Um, I do have a list of like YouTubers to follow and everything and such, and a list of resources that um, people can use. And I'm actually in the process of making a free guide of how to get into cybersecurity that I will be releasing before June comes. And um, I'm just going to be giving it out on my um, Twitter page 
and yeah. I don't see I don't seek to have any kind of like monetary gain from it. Like in my perspective, if you really want to help people, you don't take anything out of their pockets. You fill them. And this is like a guy that I would have wanted if I was just stepping into the field and I had no direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do or, you know, where to start, or what basic skills and foundations that I need to learn. This is what the, this is what the guide is going to be about. I'm putting everything in there, like, you know, computer fundamentals, um, you know, basics about Linux, Windows, Python, you know, red team stuff, blue team stuff, website fundamentals. I'm putting interview questions. I'm putting cybersecurity books. I'm putting pretty much everything that I had learned, all the resources that I've used and utilized. So I definitely cannot wait to get that finished. And I want to give back to the community. And I want to be able to genuinely help people because there's a lot of potential in this field. There's a lot of work to be done. There's over like what a million, a million unfilled positions yeah. right now in like cybersecurity. That. Yeah. And we, we need those positions to be filled. And a lot of people are intimidated by IT and cybersecurity because they think you have to be some kind of genius. Like, no, you don't have to be, you know, really smart to get into this field. You just have to have the drive and willingness to learn. And that's pretty much it. Um, I utilize YouTubers, like I said, again, the Cyber Mentor, and I utilize a uh, Hackersploit, great YouTube channel. Hackersploit pretty much shows you how to perform all kinds of attacks, shows you how to perform a penetration test, how to write a report, um, things like that. He has a whole Linux course. I think he has a Python course too. Um, David Bombal, he's really good as well. Um, he goes over how to perform different kinds of attacks and he has interviews with people that actually work in the field and um, they just go over like, you know, how they get into the field and everything and such. Uh, I think one of them was saying that it's important to be on LinkedIn for sure to utilize that. And there was like a challenge that you had to have at least 1000 connections within one month which is definitely possible. But if you try to follow too many people, LinkedIn will definitely um, suspend you for like a week for whatever reason. I don't even know why that's a thing on there. It's you're supposed to just connect with people. Um, I've tried to connect with a bunch of people on there one day. I think I tried to make like 200 plus connections and LinkedIn was like, stop, you can't. Like we think you're using an automated service or something like that. So stop following people. And I was just like, I'm going to keep following people anyways. And they're like, okay, you can't follow anyone for the rest of the week. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was just trying to, um, you know, share all the inf information I got on there. Um, I post pictures of like my setup and everything. Um, I, I've all, and I've actually posted the uh, the guide on there as well that I'm making. And I'm using uh, a note taking application called Notion. I don't know if you heard of it or not. I'm using that to yeah. uh, share all the knowledge that you know I've learned over the past couple of years. And I'm putting, like I said, red team stuff and blue team stuff in there. I'm more familiar with red team because that's where my heart is. But I did learn some blue team stuff from a friend of mine. And he was showing me like how to um, use uh, Palo Alto uh, firewall, like how to look for you know signatures and things like that. Um, you know, showed me how um, uh, phishing assessments work. You know, things like that, et cetera. Just you know, being a sock, just basic sock analyst. Um, but I've uh, also utilized looking at job applications. Like for an example, say you want to become a pen tester, go to job applications and look at the requirements and like say like, oh, we need someone that knows Nmap, Metasploit, um, Burp Suite, uh, Netcat, uh, Nikto, things like that. Start researching those tools and start learning how they work. Like even like you don't know what Burp Suite is, like, okay, just go on YouTube, what's Burp Suite? How to use Burp Suite? Like, um, you know, how to use Wireshark, things like that, et cetera. Start studying what you see on these 
um, job applications and start practicing it. And the way to do that is start doing real world like projects. Like for an example, um, what got me my first uh, service desk job was not only did I have the A plus, but I was documenting and recording everything that I was doing. So like if I built a computer, I, I made a video of myself doing it. If I was setting up users and Active Directory and everything and stuff, I recorded myself doing it. If I was troubleshooting hardware issues, software issues, I was, I was recording myself doing it and I would show it to recruiters and employers. And that shows that I can actually do the work that I am competent of you know, doing the job and everything and such, because it's a video of me doing the work. That's evidence. That's more than enough for them to be like, okay, then this guy knows his stuff. Especially if you have a portfolio of all of those things, and you can use YouTube as a por portfolio. You can make YouTube tutorials like how to set up a, um, you know, Kali Linux and VirtualBox. You know, how to perform an nmap scan, how to use Burp Suite, things like that, etc. And you can either share that with people or keep it private if you want to, just for employers and recruiters to see and to show that to them. And it shows that you have the initiative and the drive to actually do the work. And, you know, I did that for my first job and they were just like, okay, we want you on the team. And, you know, I did service desk for, I'd say about two years around there. And um, I got dreadfully tired of it, but I will say doing service desk is 100% necessary, even though it's going to suck for a while. A lot of people don't like service desk. A lot of people don't like talking on the phone, which is understandable, but you need it to build those foundational skills. Like you need to know how to communicate with the team. You need to have good customer service skills. You need to know how to document um, all of your troubleshooting steps effectively. And you need to know how to like actually troubleshoot um, software and hardware issues and such, because you're going to be taking those skills anywhere you go in IT and cybersecurity, no matter what role you're in. So having those base foundational skills is really important. And I tell everyone to do service desk first. Don't do it more than a year like six months to a year max. I've seen people in service desk in there for like five years. And I'm just like, how, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do service desk for five years <laughs> at all whatsoever. And um, you can just, just go on from there. You definitely want to start at service desk if you're going to um, cybersecurity. Um, in terms of choosing a path in cybersecurity, uh, I would say do research on both the blue team and red team side. Um, you know, look at, at, like go on YouTube and look at um, you know, search up uh, what's the daily life of a pen tester or what's the daily life of a threat analyst, daily life of a SOC analyst, you know, things like that, and you'll be able to see what they do on the job, and you'll be able to have a feel of like, huh, is this something for me? Is this something that I want to do? Is this something I'm going to enjoy first of all? Because you definitely want to love the work that you do. Because if you love the work that you do, it's not going to feel like a job. So definitely do research on that. Figure out, you know, what you want to do in the field. Because people ask me like, oh, where do I start in cybersecurity? I'm like, first you want to start a help desk, and then you figure out what you want to do from there. Do you want to be a SOC analyst? Do you want to be a pen tester? Do you want to be um, in IT and be a, a network administrator? Uh, do you want to be a sysadmin? Uh, do you want to be, um, you know, a Python programmer? It, it, it varies. Like, you can pretty much do anything you want in this field. Um, you can be, do website development, front end, back end, whatever. Um, but I know a lot of people are just trying to get into cybersecurity. So it's mainly just blue team and red team. So just figure out what you want to do, figure out what your passion is, and always start with the security plus. I know it's a um, multi-choice exam, and um, it's really popular. It has a lot of um, has a lot of popularity. It's a, it holds a lot of weight, and um, it's it will definitely get your foot in the door in cyber.
100% could help me get my foot in the door as well. So um, definitely, you know, study for the security plus get that under your belt for sure. And again, study, um, not study, practice everything that you study, everything that you learn from like the security plus and stuff, figure out a way to do it. There's definitely courses like on Udemy that um, show you how to set up virtual machines and perform like, um, like, like for an example, setting up uh, users in Active Directory and like having specific restrictions for them and security groups and things like that, et cetera, you know, or performing, you know, a vulnerability scan with Nessus and everything. Like there's videos like that that show you how to do those things. So research the things that you study, figure out how to do it. And I know you can't do everything that you learn in the book. Like for an example, the network plus like actually setting up a network topology, which is something you have to do physically. You know, you have to go into a building and everything, install the cables and your servers and everything and stuff. Or if you want to just like go on eBay, buy like a little cheap server, like a, you know, Xeon, Intel Xeon processor, you know, the motherboards with the, you know, the dual CPU sockets on them, build a server. You can definitely do that, record that, you know, document it, put it on YouTube, show it to employers, like show people that you're capable of doing the work, study it, practice it, and then show people the work. And the easiest way to learn anything in IT and cybersecurity is understanding these basic things, understanding what something is, what it does, and how you can use it. Those are the main three things you need to understand to learn any kind of technology in IT and cybersecurity. So if you don't know what something is, like for example, what is a CPU? Oh, it is the basically the brain of the computer. It processes all the information that you know you get to give to it. It's an input-output system. It's just like okay, so like what does it do? You know, I just explained it. It just processes everything in the computer. And like, how can you use it? Just turn on your computer because <laughs> it does all the work for you basically. And you know that you can take that knowledge and apply it to anything else in the field or anything else that you're learning. So instead of just memorizing things understand how things work because you're going to learn much faster and you're going to give yourself less of a hard time as well. In terms of studying everyone that is different, you got to make the time to study, man. There's no shortcut in this field at all. You got to put in the hours, you got to put in the hard work, and it's not going to be easy at all whatsoever. I've had many nights where I'm staying up to like 3 a.m., you know, just studying this stuff. I would literally take make the time to study in my day. Like I would study on my lunch breaks. I'd eat for 10 minutes and use the rest of that 15 minutes and just go ahead and like study something. Like you have time. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. Like I've always um told my friends and something my dad would tell me, you either have excuses or you have results. You either make something happen or you don't. And it's just that plain and simple, like create a schedule. And if you have a hard time studying and focusing and such, try studying in, in quick bursts. Like for an example, like I have really bad ADHD. I'm kind of all over the place most of the time. Uh, I study for about 30 minutes. I take a 10 minute break and then I study for 30 minutes again. And then I take a 10 minute break, study for another 30 minutes. I try to study almost at least, I'd say two hours a day around there. Um, and, you know, like I said, the guy that I have coming out, I'm going to put a lot of resources and links in there for people to, you know, utilize and, you know, to learn the material in there. Not only is it going to have like links and everything and such, like I'm going to be explaining things in detail or breaking down in a certain, in a way that people can understand pretty much. And a big part of IT is, um, being able to explain things in a simple way that anyone can understand. Like for an example, um, a neat way that someone taught me how CPU cores work, it's like kind of like going to a grocery store. The more checkout lanes that are open, the faster business is going to be because 
there's more you know there's there's more room for people to go in and out of the store but if there's only like one or two checkout lanes that are open it's going to be a really long line it's going to take forever and everything and stuff but the more you know lanes that are open which equals to the cpu cores and the people are the data that's flowing through the cpu cores and i was like ah okay that makes sense so it's just being able to explain things in a simple way like things that people see every single day you know um and again, like I said, in terms of getting my foot in the door, resumes, definitely put your projects on resumes, 100%. I don't care if you have no kind of like actual experience, definitely put your projects on your resumes, all of the things that you've done, all of the experience that you have, and put certifications on there too. I've met people that have no certifications, but they have all the hands-on experience. I've met pen testers that don't have the security plus, that don't have a degree, that don't have you know the OSCP and such, and they're still making six figures a year because they know how to do the job. And most of the time, those people are unicorns, but I think anyone can do it because if you have the experience, you can do the job. If you know how to do it, it shouldn't be an issue getting your foot in the door. But I also understand that companies nowadays are like gatekeepers and everything and such. Like, oh, I want to see a certification or oh, I, see, I want to see a degree. And also another thing, just because you have a certification does always mean that you're competent, incompetent. Like I said before, anyone can sit down and open a book and study for the exam because it's multi-choice. You're not being challenged or pushed to actually use your skills in a real world environment. Again, that goes back to studying, practicing, and documenting everything. Because once you know they see that you can use these skills in a real world environment, it's like, okay, we want to hire this guy. Because like if I'm a if I'm like an employer and I see that you're putting in the work and you're sending me videos of you actually doing the work and you're successful with it and you're quick with it, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and hire you. So that's most of my advice, you know, in terms of just getting into cyber. Again, like I said, look at um, job applications, look at the skills on there, learn those skills online, just utilize Google, utilize YouTube. If you have questions, you can literally just type it up. Like we have access to the internet 24 seven at the palm of our, uh, at the palm of our hands. Like everyone has a phone, everyone has Google on there. Everyone has YouTube. You can use it as a tool. Like I use my phone to network with people. I use it to study. I use it to apply to jobs. I use it for interviews. You don't have to just use it to play video games and be on social media for the wrong purposes. Like some people say, oh, you need to get off your phone. I'm like, no, like it's a really good tool and a really useful tool if you use it correctly. It's just that most people don't really use it as a tool. They more so use it as a toy, you know? But um, definitely utilize your phone. Like I take notes on my phone and on my computer. But most of the time, since I spend most of my time on my phone, I'm taking notes on my phone and such. And people say like, oh, you can take notes any way you want. Like if you want to write it down in the book, go ahead. If it helps you memorize it. But it doesn't make any difference to me because I'm still going to be reading the same material. Like, oh, if I forget something. All I have to do is open up my phone. And be like, ah, oh, that's what that means. Or that's what that is. You know, um, what else did I do? Uh... Like I said, personal projects, build your own stuff. Just build your own stuff, get hands-on experience. And if you have trouble with it, like I said, you can always go back to Google and YouTube. And also another thing that's really important, network with people. Being able to network with people is what's going to help you out a lot. Um, that's actually how I got the web application, you know, pen tester job. That's how I got that. Cause I was, um, networking with one of my friends and I was letting him know that, Hey, I want to get into the field and everything and stuff. And he was like, Hey, I might know a guy, you know, let's see if we can work something out. 
and um definitely utilize social media for that like people use social media to like you know look at memes and like to see the latest drama that's going on and everything and stuff i'm just like no you can use it for business purposes and professional purposes as well you can you know use this platform as for an example twitter infosec is huge like i'm seeing all kinds of stuff on um on infosec people are posting jobs i posted a job earlier saying like hey like i know someone that's hiring service desk tier one right now and it's remote it's 17 you know 50 or 15 dollars an hour like you can post that stuff and you can just get people linked up with it like you can utilize these platforms to help you with your career instead of using it for other purposes yeah, and you can get invited to podcast too. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> this to happen. I had no idea. Like, I remember sharing your book. I think that's how you found me because I tagged yes. you. Yeah, I remember sharing your book because I read your book about a year ago, and I was like, "Whoa, this is some good stuff. This is some really good stuff." I was like, "I'm going to follow everything in this book," and I started doing my research online and everything and such. But I thought I I wanted to go. I wanted to go ahead and um, I shared your book on Twitter. And I wasn't expecting you to reply or even like it at all, or even bat an eye, you know. And I saw that you were liking my stuff on my Twitter. And I was like, is he actually liking my stuff? I'm like, this is Philip Wiley. Like, dude's actually on my page. And then you hit me up. I freaked out. I was like, whoa, <laughs> he did not just message me. <laughs> he did not just message me. I freaked out. I was like, there's, there's no way this is happening. And you asked me to be part of the podcast. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. I want to help people out. I love I saw you. I saw you sharing resources. I saw your passion and desire to help others, and it was really good. And I thought this is this is someone's story that needs to be heard. I know people are hearing your story, but I thought you know this is really a good story, inspirational for people trying to get in the industry, and just the good example you have of sharing and helping other people. Because too much in this day and time, not everyone is trying to help other people. You know exactly. We, like yeah. I see people. Like we need more kindness and empathy in this world, honestly. Like humanity has grown to be very selfish. Like there's exactly. too many, of, there's there's too many of us not to be helping each other out. We're social creatures. Like we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't help each other. You know, like yep. it's it, it boggles my mind. It's just like no, we need to help each other. We need to we need each other to survive. There's a lot of people doing the jobs that we don't want to do. You know. And um, I actually remember watching this one YouTube video about this uh, really famous hacker. I can't remember his name, but he was born and raised in Virginia. He used to be a black hat, but he got really popular on um, Hacker One because he was just killing it. Dude was making like $100,000 a day in bug bounties. And, you know, he had gotten a documentary on on YouTube and there was a lot of people hitting him up like, oh, can you teach us? Can you help us? Like, that's awesome that you're doing that. I want to do that too. And he made a post on Twitter. I saw, and I, and I didn't want anything to do with him after that. After I saw it, he was just like, I'm not going to help anybody. He was like, figure it out on your own. I'm like, nah, instantly. I don't like you. You're yeah. out someone. I don't, I don't want to be around like that. That's just, that's, that's selfish. That's honestly very selfish. Like what's the point of your success if you're not going to help people? Yes, exactly. Like, what's, what is the point of that? I, I've never understood that at all whatsoever. Like, I see people, but I don't see humanity. And that's the problem nowadays. Everyone is too caught up in their own world. Like, no one really cares about each other anymore. And yeah. we need to bring that back for exactly. sure. We really need to start helping each other out. And especially, like, in terms of just in cybersecurity, there's so many jobs to be filled. Why not let people in and actually do the work? Let people in that want to do the work, that have the drive, that have the passion, and that have the tenacity and the skills to do so. Stop gatekeeping, you know, just because you don't have a degree. Not everyone has the money for a degree. 
I didn't have the money for a degree. I definitely couldn't afford it. And my family sure as hell was not going to support me with it. And they did, they did it themselves. So I was like, I need to find my own way and find a way to get into this field. And I did that. It wasn't easy, but I did it. And I want to bring other people up with me. I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh, like, yeah, I made it. Like I'm a junior pen tester, you know, whatever, you know, you guys figure it out on your own. No, like I'm actively on Twitter. Like people are in my DMs almost every day and they're asking me like, how do I get into cyber? How do I, you know, become a pen tester? Like, where do I go? Where do I start? And I'm glad to help them. I'm happy to help them. And I'm giving them all this information for free. I'm not asking for a single penny at all whatsoever. And there's people telling me like, hey, I like, I'm, you're like a huge inspiration to me and everything and stuff, blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm just like, I'm glad. I want to be able to help others. I want to be, I want people to learn from me and my experiences and such. Like when I tell my story, I'm not telling people, I'm not telling my story for people to feel sorry for me and the things that I've been through because everyone goes through stuff. Everyone goes through a struggle. Like I tell others my stories because it's just like everyone goes through something. Like no one's life is perfect. No one's life is going to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time and everyone's going to struggle and there's lessons to learn from my experiences and i like sharing those experiences so other people can learn not only just that because i just want to be a better person for myself and those around me it's just it's just like whatever you want to call it karma the universe or god or whatever but it's like they say it's better to give than receive and that's one of the things that you know i used to share a lot of stuff before i started teaching Mm -hmm. and once i got into teaching I was mentoring and helping people on a bigger, on a broader scale. And I used to watch like 100 movies a year in theater, 100 movies or more. Mm-hmm. And I was noticing when I started teaching, I just started the Pwn School Project, which was a monthly meetup that helps educate people on cybersecurity. And I was looking at all this stuff. I was looking at the list of movies that I'm not going to hit my 100 movies this year. But one of the things I noticed, I was a lot happier. Mm-hmm. And it's just from helping people, just you know, just it's such a good feeling. And it's great that you're doing that. And as we mentioned, we need more of that in the world. And sometimes it's a matter of people simple as just knowing that someone cares. There's been situations I've been in that someone came up and it was just a matter of you interacted with them at the right moment and they needed that. And they saw that someone cared and that's, that matters a lot. Yeah, it does matter a lot for sure. But the thing is, I understand, I also understand that, you know, with, how a lot of people have grown up. A lot of people weren't shown love or care at all. And they pretty much had to do the same thing that I did. I wasn't shown a lot of love or care at all whatsoever, especially by my family. I was the black sheep. I wasn't really cared for. I was discarded most of the time. And I was was just like, man, that hurts. I need to figure out how to care for myself and just be on my own. And I was like, if no one's going to take care of me, I got to take care of myself. And I get that. But it's not a mindset to stay in. Like once you're able to get to a point where you're just like, okay, I made it help other, help other people out too, for sure. And I understand like, since people, a lot of people weren't given that love and care, they don't know how to love and care, you know? And, you know, I tell some of my friends and you know everyone, actually the biggest flex is to be a better example than the people that hurt you, than the people that tried breaking you down and tearing you apart and doubted you and everything and such like strive to be better than them strive to live a better lifestyle strive strive to be a better example than what they what they were to you because it's it's just not fair it isn't fair at all whatsoever to just allow yourself to you know be selfish as hell and like here's the thing like if you help other people people are going to recognize that and you even may receive more 
you know, from what you already have. You never know your life could change just because you're helping other people. And that matters a lot. And I feel like we need to take that into consideration a lot more. And um, there's one more thing I wanted to add in terms of getting into cybersecurity. Um, please utilize Try Hack Me. Please utilize um, Hack the Box. Try Hack Me is like $10 a month. You can afford that. Like I feel like almost anyone can afford that. And it teaches you real world tools and you get hands-on experience from it. And you even get a certification at the end of the courses that you complete. And you can show that to employers as well. I showed that to the um, to an employer with my current job you know, that I got hired at. And he was like, okay, that's pretty cool. You're going to try to hack me and everything. So that's awesome. So that's great. So, yeah, I appreciate you joining today and sharing your story. It's very inspirational, and I just love the way you're helping others. I'm especially happy that you overcame your environment and your family life. That's really good to see because it's nothing more heartbreaking than to see someone that's given up on life because they went through a bad situation, and you can't blame people, but it's good to see when people overcome because you hear so many of the stories of people that don't overcome, people that, is th that are the statistics and so it's really, you know, warms my heart to see that you overcome that mm -hmm. being successful. And at the same time, you have every reason to be a selfish person, but you're not. You're, and that's really great. So, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to let the pain that I've been through make me bitter and sour and arrogant. No, not at all. I like I said, I want to be a better person for myself and those around me and not let my experiences, you know, dictate my future or determine, you know, who I am, you know, um, like at some point you got to realize that you can't go through life alone. And I tried doing that. I've tried going through life 100% by myself. And I found that I struggled a lot more because I denied help. Like my family taught me like, oh, if you accept help from others, you're weak. You're not able to stand up for yourself. You're not able to actually, you know, support yourself and such. So I denied a lot of help growing up. Um, and it took me a while to learn how to actually accept that. And even into my adulthood, I'm 23. I'm still learning how to accept help from people. I'm more comfortable with helping others. But when it comes to others helping me, I'm just like, eh, I'm much more accepting of it now. Because I understand, like, as humans, for us to survive, we got to help each other. 100%. Like, I'm not going to be selfish with everything that I've learned. I'm going to give it out to other people. I want to see other people grow and learn and be better for themselves and others and their loved ones and such. You know, that's great. Uh, and gr great that you learned that at a young age. I mean, you know, 23, that's good to get things figured out. A lot of people don't get things figured out until they're 30, 40, or 50 years old. And so, yeah. And honestly, again, going back to my dad, because that's, this is what he taught me. He, he taught me a lot. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd have the mindset that I have today. I've learned a lot from my man. I mean, not my man, from that man. Yeah. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome that you had someone. And it's one of the things, too, for folks out there that maybe you don't have someone like your family, but find mentors. There's people out there that want to help. And, you know, the cybersecurity mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. is full of people like that. You just have to mm -hmm. seek them out. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100 percent. Um, like I said before, uh, in terms of like mentorships, actually, I didn't even go over that. Find mentors for sure. Talk to people that have more experience than you. 100%. Like ask people questions, people that have you know more experience in the field or they have the job that you want. 
like for example i was going around on twitter asking penetration testers like what did they do have what did they do to get into the field and everything and such so, so, like what tools what tools did they learn what um you know languages you know programming languages they learn everything and such talk to those people for sure 100 percent uh, great advice and, and awesome story so thanks again for joining uh, i do appreciate it and i'm sure that people are going to get a lot of good out of this episode so thanks again thank you for having me like again i'm really happy that i'm able to help people and i would i really appreciate you for you know bringing me on here and sharing this with the world and everything it, it means a lot and it warms my heart honestly and hopefully we can do this again in the future yeah it's a pleasure and, and, and really loved hearing your story so thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you on the next episode BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.